0: Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Take your Bibles this morning and go with me to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. If you're in Exodus, keep going that way. If you're in Matthew, you're almost there. If you're in Genesis, just flip it over. You're completely on the wrong side. Revelation chapter 2, are you there? Verse number 1. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and I have found them liars. You've persevered, you've been patient, you've labored for my name's sake, and you have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent." But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Father, again, thank you for the Word of God. It is what sustains us. It's what holds us up. It builds us up. Thank you for a desire and a love for the Word of God and those that have come today to hear the Word of God and to grow in faith. And, and Lord, I pray that we won't leave here empty-handed. but God, that you'll strengthen us, you'll encourage us. God, you'll instruct us in the, your ways. And, and not only that, but we'll just crown this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, you see here that he talks from the beginning of this particular passage about Candlesticks and angels. So if we're going to talk and kind of get an an idea of what he's wanting to tell this particular church, we need to start right there about the candlesticks and the angels. Now, first of all is the candlesticks or lampstands that's one and the same. Now, the candlesticks, he's talking about church. A church, in this particular case, the Ephesian church or the church of Ephesus. If you back up in chapter 1 of verse 20, he tells us, he gives us a reason we can say that. He says, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So the candlesticks represents a church. Good. Now, the stars, it says, represents a church. An angel, the angels of the seven churches. Now, I got to do a little bit of Greek homework here. Will that be okay? I won't bore you to death, will I? this sent an angel or a messenger from God. Another definition gives it this it says to bring tidings, a messenger, especially an angel, by implication, a pastor, an angel, or a messenger. So when we read that, we have to think that usually in the Bible, God doesn't give angels messages for a church. He gives a pastor a message for a church. So we have to say here that he's talking to a pastor and a church, and he's got to, he's, he wants to say give a message to it. Do you see that in there? I'll say it like this. A pastor is really an angel. Your pastor say it with me, is an angel. He's the messenger. He's the one who he gives the message from. And so here's the thing. So let me just say this first of all. Please do this. Pray for your pastors. They've been designed by God to give a message. And sometimes that message is easy. Sometimes that message is hard. Sometimes it's long. Sometimes it's short. Very few times is it short. But it's a message that God has to give him to give to the, to the body of believers. So pray for your pastor that God, he'll have the courage to preach the message that God gives to him. That's what's happening right here. God gives a message to a pastor. He's giving it to his church. Now, the message that he has, first of all, look at verse number 2, and he says a couple of things. Now, listen to what Jesus says about this particular church, this church of Ephesus. He says, I know your works. I know your labor." I know you're patient. I know you can't bear those which are evil. I know that you have tried them which say they're apostles and are not and has found them to be liars. This church of Ephesus is a hard-working bunch of people. He says, I know your works. Now, the first thing we see is that it says this about Jesus. It says, I walk in the midst of the seven candlesticks. Jesus is not one of those kind of... um, Presidents or CEOs that gets the secondhand information from somebody, and, and they report back to him about what's going on in a church. He says he walks in the midst of it. The good news is that Jesus was walking right in the midst. So when he's giving this uh, assessment of this particular church, it's not because he's heard it from another angel or somebody. He's, he's seen it specifically for himself. He says, I know your works and your labor." And he commends them for that. He says, I, I've seen you. I've walked among you. I watch what you're doing, and I see how hard you're working for me. See, I watch how hard you work in the community. I, walk, I, I watch how hard you pray for your church. I, I watch you in worship when you lift your hands and sing. I watch you come to practice and, and play and, and get ready for worship. I, I see you in kids. I, I see your Bible kids, quiz, Bible kids quizzing. I see how hard you work in Sunday school and teaching and when funerals and weddings come up and in the Word of God and, and fellowship one another. I see how hard you, you work to, to make things work and how you give and how you serve in different capacities. I'm watching you do all that, and I see how hard you work, and I want to commend you for that. I just kind of got to reading that. I thought it's almost like he's talking about Bethel. Y'all are always working, doing something, getting something done. I have to say one time we had a, a, an event here and there was people who were visitors and they couldn't believe how fast we were able to tear down the, the chairs in here and set up and then tear that down and set this up again. They were just amazing how people had such a will to work. And I was thinking, man, Ephesus kind of sounds like Bethel. That's a hardworking group of people. Not only that, but they labor and they have patience as well. In other words, they're consistent. You just keep on keeping on. And so this Ephesus church, they were a church that was very hardworking. They were consistent. And no matter what was happening in the politics around them, no matter what was happening in their health or the life changes, they just kept on keeping on. And how many know this? It takes both of those things if you're going to be in the kingdom of God. You've got to work hard, but you've got to be consistent. All the parents said amen. If you're going to be a good parent, you've got to be hardworking, and you've got to be consistent. Jesus said it like this he said he said lord said unto him in Matthew 25 well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a few things i'll make thee ruler over many it's it's one thing to be good but jesus asks us to be good and faithful lots of people are good in, in the kingdom of god but they're not very faithful there are those that are really faithful but they're not very God calls us to be both good and faithful, and that's what this Ephesian church is. This church of Ephesus, they're good. They work hard. They they do their very best to God, and they show up time and time again, and it's just wonderful to watch them work. God appreciates those who give their best and are dependable. He tells this Ephesian church, I see what's happening, and I want to say thank you for it. Let me say something to you. Some of you have served the Lord. You don't get any kind of compensation from it, you just serve it because you love Him. Can I just speak on behalf of the Lord right now? Thank you. Everything you've ever done, thank you. You worked in the nursery, the Lord would say thank you, and I as pastor would say thank you. You, you serve the Lord in giving, you clean, you cook, you clean up, you bring your kids, you teach, you coach, you train, you do all those things. Let me just say the Lord would say thank you to it thank you for those things that you've done they do not go unnoticed so they're a hard-working group of people and look at this look at chapter 2 verse 2 and it says this they're not just that but they're a biblical church he says you've tried them which say they're apostles and are not and have found them to be liars it's a biblical group of people i mean they just they don't just do it and work hard they do it by the book now, if you understand, if you know, in, in the seven churches, they're all located in what's today is called Turkey, Asia Minor or Turkey. And the place that Ephesus sits, it's the first church that he deals with of the seven. And if you notice where it's situated in Turkey today or in, 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 in Asia Minor, it's kind of a gateway city. In other words, you had to really get to Ephesus before you could go to the, any of the other churches. It makes sense why Jesus, he, I mean, he's very logistically sound. It makes sense why he put the first church there because he knew from there it spread out to all the others. So if it was a gateway city, it was a gateway church. And, and so the thing is, is everywhere that, the, the, everywhere that if people came in and they and they came in and they wanted to preach to all the other churches, they had to go through Ephesus first. And the people of Ephesus, you couldn't pull one over on them. If you came in preaching something that was not biblical or it was not, not g- godly, then they would say, "No, no, no, you can't go any further than this. You stop, you're stopped here. So they tried those who came in, said that they were apostles and has not f- and found them to be liars. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. Does it bother you when people don't do right by the Bible? Does it bother you when people say they're Christians and they act maybe a different way? Does it bothers me to no ends? cannot stand when I go to a restaurant and it's the Sunday crowd and they're up there giving, it, giving a hard time to the little girl up there making $10 an hour. Does that make you mad? Oh, my gosh, I want to slap them. Please don't come from church with your nice clothes on and go and act a fool at Walmart. Does it bother you when they, when they, when they claim to know God and then they go out and they treat a car salesman bad? They treat the waitress bad. They go to the ball game and act crazy. It does bother me. It does. I mean, If you're going to walk this walk, if you're going to talk the talk, please walk this walk. Because sometimes you make the rest of us look bad because you don't. It makes me mad when I, don't, when, I, when I don't walk the walk and talk the talk. It makes me upset with me. So this group of people, that's how they were. They were like, look, if you're going to claim Jesus, you've got to live right. Well, what about this? Does it make you mad when people don't preach the Word of God? When they say there's no hell. A group out there right now says there's no hell. There's a group out there that says it doesn't matter how you live. Oh, my goodness, we live by grace. You can live any way you want to. It doesn't matter how you live. we live by grace. So people live any way they want to, and they don't honor the name of Christ by going out and behaving right. Doesn't it make you mad? What about when people's political views go against the Bible? doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on, but if the political views are distinct and separate from the Bible, doesn't it just irk you? Irritates me to no ends. That's this Ephesian church. They're just a group of people who truly, genuinely want to make a difference. They want to make a change. And, and wherever they go, they're the same way. Jesus is complimenting this group of people. They're hardworking. They're faithful. They're Bible-loving. They go out and they're doing their best to live for God. But here's the interesting part. This, this hardworking group of people, he finds a problem with them. And that begins in verse number four. Now, before we say this, can I ask you a question? Do you have a problem when God has a problem with you? Maybe I didn't say it right. If you're doing something wrong, do you mind if God calls you out? Let me ask you one more time. If you're acting crazy, is it okay if God says you're acting crazy? Okay. Thank you, y'all just completely ruined my entire sermon. <laughs> Revelation two and four says, "I have something against thee. If you got spinach in your teeth, you want somebody to tell you, you got spinach in your teeth. I have something against thee, because thou hast left thy first love." Now, the thing is is not everybody can handle correction from God. Not every church can handle correction from God. And I believe if, you, if when God corrects, he doesn't ever do it because he's angry or he's mad. He corrects because he loves. He loves us too much to leave us where we are. He's constantly in the process of cleaning us up, of cleansing us. The blood of Jesus does that, cleanses us. It makes us clean, but it also constantly is making us better, making us the person he wants us to be. And sometimes he has to deal with some, some sensitive topics to do that. But his, his end game, his end goal is to make us better. And the good news, though, is when God gives us a problem, he also gives us the solution as well, and that's what he does to this Ephesian church. He says, I have someone against you because you have left your first love. If I can translate that to you, in other words, it says that you've left your first love, but you've left the love that you had at the first. The thing I have against you is you left the love that you had at the first. The first love you have, you've left. The way you loved at first has changed. The first love you had at first has left. You have left the wonder of it all. See, sometimes the tendency of hardworking church people, Christians, is, that, is in the midst of all the machinery of working for God and doing for God, that we miss that way we did it when we first came to God. The motivation we had when we did it. We miss it all. We, we, we also, we just get so involved in doing and, and, and getting accomplished and all those things that we have left the wonder of it all. It's the tendency of it. We used to pray, but it was, it was different than it is now. We used to attend church, but it's different than it is now. We used to get tunnel vision and, and, and what we're doing and what we're, what we're trying to accomplish for God, but we've missed the wonder of it all. Do you see that? You're married, and you're so busy raising kids and paying bills and mowing grass and all those things, you forget that the person that you said yes to is the love of your life. You forget those feelings that you had at the beginning. Raising kids, sometimes you you miss that raising kids, you forget that they're a blessing of the Lord. But, but in all the raising and all the doing, you just sometimes you, you have to be reminded of that. And so he's saying, look, you're, you're a hardworking, godly bunch of people, but you've kind of forgotten. You've kind of walked away from missing the, the joy and the wonder of all of the Christian life has to offer. He says, but don't worry, I got, you, I got your answer. He says, here's what I want you to do. First thing I want you to remember, go back. And remember what it felt like when you first started. What it felt like when you first began to be involved. See, when you, when you first came to church, when you were brand new to God, you came to church and you couldn't wait to get there. And it didn't matter if there was a special speaker or a singing or there's some guys going to break bricks. It didn't matter. You just wanted to get there early because you didn't know what was going to happen, but God was going to be at church. You just loved coming to church remember that? Remember that? Oh, I do. I used to run. My house was right behind the church. That's so when I got saved. There was Assembly of God Church behind my house, and I would run to church because I didn't want to be late. Because I didn't know what. I didn't want to miss anything. Something was going to happen. And I didn't want to miss it. And so I would run, make sure I got a good seat. How about that time the first time you ever taught a class, or you had to teach somebody else about Jesus? Didn't matter if it was a big class or small class, the nursery, and you were so nervous. And you practiced and you, and you did everything. You, 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 pre- you, you prepared. You would sit in front of the mirror and watch yourself just to, because you didn't want to mess it up. You remember, and you got up there and you were so nervous. And your, and your notes went all over the floor when you were preaching. And you, you just thought, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Do you remember that? The wonder, the, 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 just the excitement of it all, the thrill of it all. Do you remember the first time you raised your hands in church, in worship? Oh my goodness. If you come from a background like me where it was so quiet in church, I mean, you could literally hear the mice running around in the church. And the first time you come to church, you just felt something. And and you just looked around, and people were raising their hands, and you thought, I just want to honor God and give God praise, and I just want to raise my hand. And you did this little number right here. And as soon as you did that, you thought everybody was looking at you but it was something just so thrilling about it because you were just honoring God with your hands. Do you remember that? The thrill, the feeling behind it. What about the first time you ever came to an altar? When you just knew, I want to go up there and I want to bring my need to God. And and you were so nervous because you'd not done it and you were so unsure about it. Let me tell you something. When I'd been saved three or four years and just started uh, dating Miss Leanne, we went to a church service. And the pastor preached, and I was, it stirred me. I mean, it was just, it stirred me. And when I was listening to him, I thought, whatever he says, any kind of response he asked for, you know, altar plea, I'm standing up. He gave an altar call for salvation. I stood up again. We got done. Lynn was like, do you know that that was an altar call for salvation? I was like, yes. She said, you're already saved now, aren't you? We were dating. I was like, well, Yes but I didn't care, Pop. I just I just wanted to respond to God. It was so new. It was so exciting. It was so wonderful. The, the wonder of it all was just over, over, overwhelming. How about any time when, when you went to the altar for healing, it didn't matter if you had a, a, a brain tumor or you had a paper cut. You didn't care. You wanted to go and have God, have the opportunity for people to pray for you, and, and God would heal. Remember that? Remember the excitement of that? I just pray as I'm talking about these. Some of these things are things that, that that have happened to me are some that I've heard. How about when the missionary came and brought you to tears as you saw the pictures of his mission field? Remember how it made you feel? Listen to a man on on the radio one time. His ministry was he was helping teenagers in their walk with God, and at the end of one of the the segments he he, he took Gave you a number you could call if you'd like to donate to his ministry. I called the number. First time I'd ever really given to a ministry outside of my local church, given an offering, and, and I called. And when I was calling, he, um, the lady who takes your, you know, all your information. Usually, when they get done, they say thank you for your donation. When she got done, I was crying. I was telling her, "Thank you, thank you for letting me give to your ministry." Thank you for t- telling Bob. Thank you for all that he's doing to help reach teenagers. Thank you for, for, letting, for, for making the number to where I could understand it so I could call in. Overwhelmed that I had the opportunity to give and, and help somebody else come to know Jesus. It was just a, it was an amazing thing, it was wonderful. Do you remember the times of when you first, your first love for Jesus? And sometimes we get so caught up in the machinery of Christian work. We forget the wonder and the joy of it all. Paul told Timothy this very thing. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother and then in your mother, I'm persuaded it's in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Timothy was a brand new preacher. I identify with this because I understand. i new, been a brand, brand new preacher. And I'm sure that as he was pastoring this church that he sometimes he got afraid. You know, what if they just don't show up one day? What if, what if I can't do it? What if I can't handle it? And maybe his heart grew cold and, you know, he just began not to love like he had done in times past. Maybe his mind started acting crazy, couldn't think straight. And Paul's telling him, I need to remind you of some things because there's some stuff that's been happening. And I want to remind you, he had to stir up that gift of God on the inside of him. Sometimes we got to do that. we got to stir up and begin to remember all that God's done for us, how we felt back then, what we saw back then what our response was back then he's telling the same thing to Timothy God's telling the exact same thing to the church of Ephesus he says i need you to go back and remember i think he's not just telling those people i think he's telling us as well you got to remember and then he tells us exactly what to do he says change he said he said remember and then he said change go back to doing your christian life just like that start praying like that. Start worshiping like that. Start singing like that. Start giving like that. Loving like that. Get your passion back. Get your joy back. In Christ, it's always been there. It's just sometimes the work and the machinery of, of ministry and of life begins to drown that out. But He's telling them this get that back. Be excited about this thing. Come sit on the front row. Come join the worship team. Give. Serve. Pray like you were the only. Pray as if the the prayer God hears your prayers and your prayers alone about your church. I used to think that. I I used to think that if I didn't pray that week that somehow for my church it was going to be a bust. And when church was a bust and it just seemed to be flat, I was like, well, it's my fault. I was sitting on the back row, thought it was my fault God didn't move in church. That power, that excitement, that thrill of it. And the thing is, is, it sounds like a pretty good encouragement for God to give to us. It does, doesn't it? You know, hey, repent. Come on, change your way. He said, remember. But this is also a warning as well. Let me read it to you. Remember where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lance dam from its place. He said, if you don't change and do the first works or the, have the love that you had at the first, he said, I'll come and I'll shut the doors. Do you know that today, of those seven churches, all in Asia Minor, not a one of them is standing to this day. As a matter of fact, in Turkey, is 99.8% Muslim. And so this is an encouragement for us, you know, something that hey, add this to your life. This is something he's warning us. Listen, don't lose that fire. Don't lose that passion. Don't lose that joy. Don't, use, don't lose the wonder of it all. The greatest thing that's ever happened in my life is Jesus. Most fun I've ever had is preaching a sermon. Most, the greatest times I've ever had has been with church people. The, the most fun you could ever have is in God's house. And, and so he said, look, I want you to do all the, the, the work that you're doing and, and how diligent you are and vig- vigilant you are. He said, but I just don't want you to leave, lose the love that you had at the first. And I got to thinking about Ephesus and I got to thinking about church and then I got to thinking about me. And I got to thinking, I mean, I liked me a whole lot better. Church was a whole lot more fun. It was a whole much of a thrill when I had that first love. Come on, let's pray. Father, today in Jesus' name, we come to you, God. And, and you gave a challenge and a warning to this church. And, Lord, I don't ever want to be like that. I remember what it was like, and it was thrilling. It was exciting. It was a wonder. It was amazing. And, God, there comes a time when the, the machinery begins to Speak louder. It gets in the way of that wonder of it all. But also pray maybe that there's those here today, and they they got to thinking and remembering. And God, maybe they do. Maybe they need to make some quality changes in their own lives as well. And so, God, as we come to this altar today, let us come and, God, restore, stir that gift of God on the inside of us. Oh, God, renew and restore the, the wonder of the Christian life, the wonder of serving, the wonder of, of all that we do for God and each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grow your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.